Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Samuel Rook. Well, it's been one of an eventful weekend, well midweek, sorry, in European football and it had a bit of a good climax for French football fans at least this evening, but more on that and the league on weekend ahead after the latest headlines. Marseille marched into the semi-finals of the Europa League this evening by beating RB Leipzig 5-2. Goals from, or an own goal by Islanka, Bunasar, Florian Tovan, Dimitri Pai and Hiroki Sakai in the final moments gave them a comfortable win in the end, or at least it felt like a comfortable win after Brumer given the away side a lead after just two minutes. It felt like it would slip away, but it will be Marseille in that draw that will take place on Friday afternoon. The league has also, in other news, been linked with um, a Chinese group as they've um, announced a signature of a major six-year contract for the development of Liga in China. That will also include the Toffee de Champions being played in the country for the next two years, as well as a number of different activities around the event and other things planned between 2018 and 2023 to help promote French football. And that's all for your news. But do remember, if you want to keep up with everything French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this evening, where else really, than in Marseille with a terrific game and a terrific result for the home side who march into the semi-finals and an interesting semi-finals lineup as well. And we'll come to that. But starting with the game this evening, Adam, we were talking just before the show saying it was probably one of the best games we've seen all season. Yeah, definitely from a um, a, a French perspective. I mean, um, at Football Radar, working there, you know, you watch a lot of football and I've seen a lot of games this season, but it's definitely the one I've enjoyed the, the most, I think. Um, I mean, three goals inside the opening eight minutes, three one at half time. Pyatt had the absolute screamer disallowed for for that pull Matroglu had on the, on the defender. Um, second half was pretty much, a little bit more tense, but still pretty open. And I, as I said after on last week's part, after the first game, I really felt Marseille just had the beating of Leipzig. I, I just had a it, the way that the first leg panned out. Okay, Leipzig won it one nil, but Marseille really deserved to draw and had a few chances themselves and deserved really deserved an away goal in that game. And and it, it had a very similar feeling tonight, except obviously it was a lot more goals, winning five two in the end, five three in aggregate with that Sakai goal right at the end. I think he may have even been offside with the goalkeeper out, by the way. But that's a whole other point. Um, but yeah, Marseille were absolutely fantastic, and it was an unbelievable game. Um, I think a few things to pick out. First of all, Payet, who was terrible at the weekend against Montpellier, nothing went right for him. the amount of passes and crosses he over hit misplaced was ridiculous but today he was absolutely brilliant and effectively got the winner to make it 4-2 that brilliant run and hit with the outside of his foot into the top corner he was he was the, the pirate that Marseille thought they bought about 18 months ago now um absolutely fantastic Maxine Lopez had an absolutely brilliant game especially second half where he, he had a number of really useful runs with the boy really sort of took the pressure off his defense pushed the game forward kept the ball really well and looked like the player he was last season before there was sort of a mid-season dip in his form where he lost confidence um and, and Bunasar he only played the first 27 minutes but I felt like he's his goal um playing a little bit further up as sort of a wing back um he had another really really good performance and and I think most of all though the credit has to go to Marseille's defense um I, and they sort of played with a five at the back a little bit today i know that bunasar probably you could argue is a little bit further forward but it felt like a five two three or two van and pie off metroglu but when you've got gustavo who isn't necessarily a center back he's been brilliant there but he's not a natural center back um although obviously had as it has experienced it and buba kamara is still only 18 playing alongside him who has been really really good there as well rolando and rami somehow managed to make the bench this evening obviously came on when sar got injured um i think the credit really has to go to them i know that they conceded twice tonight but even so, some of the some of the sort of assuredness in possession at times, the reading of the game, it's such an open game, you know, that you can't really blame them for conceding. And that that is the area of the squad, area of the team that really could have seen been seen as the weak link when Rami and Rolando didn't play an either leg, where Rami obviously came on tonight, um, where Marseille really could have lost this game, given how sort of potent the Leipzig attack is with Forsberg and, and players like that. I know he didn't start tonight, but they've got so many good attacking players. Um, so I think credit really has to go to them and 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 but perhaps even more so the velodrome. I think 
on on big European nights, um, in fact, big big games in general. We saw Le Classique this season, a game they really should have won. It's like a twelfth man. It's an unbelievable venue for football, and arguably the best in Europe. It's it's when it's when it's really rocking. It's it was unbelievable, and tonight it was absolutely fantastic. So huge credit to Marseille, huge credit to Garcia with a makeshift defence, a team that perhaps looked a bit sort of blunt at the weekend drawing nil nil with Marseille. And huge credit to the Marseille fans as well, because they really, really did play their part. It was just an unbelievable atmosphere. And who knows, semi-finals, you know, with a decent draw of Wade Atletico, as we were saying, pre-pod, you could see them in the final, which is in, in France, in Lyon. I mean, they could win this competition. And I honestly think, given how they've played in the previous rounds, you know, this this game has was a fantastic performance, but you look at the previous rounds, they beat Bilbao and they beat Braga, especially at home. They scored, I think they scored three goals in each of those games at home against both those teams. Good teams as well that Marseille will be quite confident they could win this competition. And who knows, you could see them in, in the group stage of the Champions League next year. Yeah, it was a fantastic game, to be honest. Full of incident, like you mentioned, that there was well, three goals within the first eight or nine minutes. There was a goal disallowed that the, the Marseille fans went mental over, where Costas Mistroglu pulls that defender down when Dimitri Pai is about to hit it. There was Bounassar obviously having to come off injured, but they tried their best to sort of pop his shoulder back into place. He looked on the sideline like he wasn't really enjoying himself as they attempted that, and the fact that they, they couldn't really get it back in there annoyed them, and it was it ebbed and flowed. You had the moment right at the start where you thought, oh, the RB Leipzig goal had killed them off. The same as the second goal in the second half, you thought, all right, okay, they, they've weathered the early storm. Leipzig, there were some great um, saves from Goulash, who had a really good game and, and made two great saves for that Punasar goal, really, before um, he, he netted the, the finish when um, Swan Sanson was stopped. And then uh, once Augustin gets that goal and shushes the Marseille fans as well, you think, is it starting to fall back into the, the German side's hands and then Paye grabs it by the scruff of the neck as he did all evening and grabbed that goal and then Sakai puts the exclamation mark on the end when for some reason Leipzig have their goalkeeper go forward and don't put the ball in the box but an absolute whirlwind of a game really Sam and, and Adam mentioned it briefly there but a game where the likes of Paye, the likes of, um, of Lopez strangely finally came to the party for Marseille where they've been missing all season. They've been missing a few extra players in their squad all season. And finally, in the biggest moment really of the season so far for them, they, they really stood out. Yeah, they did. I mean, Tovan was great. His return was so obviously important, but Tovan's been great all season. <clears throat> it really was the impact of guys, as you mentioned, like Payet, who we've just been desperate to see this form again from a guy we know who can do, he can do everything. And, Perhaps stung, not really in the France conversation anymore, but with a performance like that, if he can do that a few more times, he'll be right back in there because that was just a special performance from him and he was not alone. As you mentioned, I think this is a really sort of a, a coming out party a little bit for Maxime Lopez, who's a player that I, I have a huge amount of time for. I think he's fabulously talented, but he's had a rough season. He's played a lot, but he's not played well often. This was all the best moments of him, all knitted together. It was a fantastic performance from a young, young player uh Bunasar as well i mean there was just all these guys who we've seen little little moments from this season little we've just hoped for more i mean hiroki sakai was excellent luis gustavo he's great he's always great but i mean even pele in goal there he's struggled this season when he's played and he had moments of real import this was just a everyone on the pitch contributing Mitroglou missed some really serious chances and it looked when Augustin scored, the Mitroglou's misses were going to come back to haunt them. But even he contributed. He was holding the ball up so well. He was bringing others into play. He was bullying defenders. He was doing things. Everyone was just contributing. And this this was a fantastic performance from, from everyone on the pitch from Marseille. And uh, when Augustin did score, I kind of didn't really... I wasn't worried about it from a Marseille perspective. I really just felt like Marseille would score again. I really felt like they were just on it. This was their game from... From not from kickoff, obviously, because they conceded so quickly, but five minutes in, it just really felt like Marseille were always going to win this game, win this tie, and march into the semi-finals. It was a fabulous performance, and as you mentioned, all these guys that we've we've wanted more from this season, we've we've seen hustle from Marseille all year. We've seen them work hard, but we haven't necessarily seen the quality. And tonight, we saw both. We saw absolute desperation to get to every loose ball to make every moment count, make every tackle count, but also the quality, the, the undeniable quality that's seen them go past a, a good Leipzig side and, and now they're in the final four and that's just incredible. 
yeah, even like the likes of Lucas Ocampos who came on for Tovan flying in like it was a, a a muddy Sunday morning really to try and take the ball at times just to give them that extra lift just to keep them them fighting. It was end to end. It was it was pretty crazy. But the focus now for them for turns to to Friday at eleven o'clock when the Europa League draw at least the UK time is drawn. And Adam, you touched on it a bit there. They there's one team they really want to avoid, but in Salzburg who did, who did terrifically. Tonight, really, they scored three mm. goals within five minutes to to get the, wrestle the result from Lazio. And their, their fairy tale continues. That would never be the easiest draw. And the same for Arsenal, who will be pretty much having their entire focus on the Europa League now. And they still have a lot of talent in that squad. Um, it's not going to be the easiest draw, but they want to avoid Atletico. That's the main one, isn't it? They if they if they pick that, that might be a bridge too far. Yeah, it does feel like. But Marseille, as I said, at home, you know, the crowd behind them that they can really sort of whip up a storm and they can they can they can blitz teams like they have today and they have against Braga and and and, and against Bilbao. But you do feel that if they were to draw Atletico Madrid, they they're probably a little bit too streetwise for Marseille that Simeone would would you know, as always, you know, do his homework and be able to sort of nullify, or at least you 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 back him to kind of attempt to nullify and probably do it very well, nullify the sort of the Marseille, the crowd and and the sort of the 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 intensity that Marseille have played with in their home games. And but if they draw Salzburg, we saw again in the group stages when Marseille didn't play well at all that that they're obviously very beatable too. Fantastic result to beat Lazio, who are massive on form this season too. So you know they can't be underestimated. But you, you'd fancy Marseille in that tie. And Arsenal, I really think that if they were to draw Arsenal, one, it'd be a brilliant, a brilliant semi-final matchup. It'd be fantastic. Um, but I, I, I have a, I have a feeling that Marseille would would fancy that time. They'd be quite, quite confident going into that game, given how Arsenal season has gone. You know, they've sort of been. Although Chelsea have only had, I think they've only had one more win in the Premier League than Arsenal this season. Arsenal have been seen as a side who are constantly in crisis, and and uh, there is some truth to that. But given how flaky Arsenal can be. That you could put them under pressure. That in these sorts of games, perhaps they could be got at. Um, at the Velodrome in particular, Marseille would fancy themselves. So I honestly think that you and I were discussing before we came on, Nathan, that if they avoid Atletico, we would put, put them as favourites to be in that final. And when you get there, Leon, you know, not too far from Marseille. Um, you imagine that they'll have the majority of the support in that stadium if they were to get it a one-off game, probably against Atletico. Then you know who knows they they could they could win this competition and that that sounds that sounds absurd considering or at least it would have sounded absurd considering where they were in the group stages when they lost to Victoria and Evera had his incident and they and they were struggling to get through and and they, they weren't looking like the most exciting or fluent side you've ever seen but that's that's changed and I honestly think that if they get the right draw they maybe have the home leg second again where they can get the car behind them then. They'll, fancy them. they'll be quite confident of winning this competition, which for, for Marseille, as you look at sort of a general, sort of a more wider context, that the champ, if you talk about the Champions Project, which has been derided a lot in France recently, um, perhaps less so recently, be given in more sort of very recent kind of weeks and months, given how they've played recently, it'd be much, much better. It'd be a huge step forward for the club and and a huge, a huge win for Garcia, who's, you know, been up and down since he returned to, 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 to France and, He's sort of taken a while to get grips with his team, but if they were to win this competition, you could argue. Apart, I know they won a Champions League, obviously in '93, the early '90s. You could argue, apart from that, it's probably the biggest trophy they would ever have won in in recent memory. So, it's a huge opportunity for Marseille, and I really think that if they get 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 the right draw, we'll see them in that final. Yeah, and it's an interesting one. And the other factor that runs into this one as well, Sam, is they they are still currently in the the race for the Champions League spot as well. When with these tournaments, you start to get carried away when you get further into them, especially in the semi final. You start thinking that the doors open for you to take them. But is it the time now for Marseille to maybe take one off eye off Liga uh, the Liga third place, given that they're They've slipped behind Neon this week, but they are still on the same points. Or do they still try and battle on two fronts and maybe end up with nothing? I think if it comes down to a conversation of, say, for example, Tovan's only fit enough to play one game, you have to put him into a European semi-final. You you just can't you can't give away such a huge opportunity for a real. That's a real trophy. It's a serious trophy, 
And that's Marseille are a serious club. They, they're supposed to win things. They haven't won anything for a very long time. You talk about Champions Project. This would be a massive stepping stone for Marseille's project. This group of players who, in the summer, most people, most sort of neutral observers didn't think much of them. They didn't think much of this group. There wasn't a lot of quality. Rami's too old. Uh, Bunasar lacks the quality. Whatever. There was a lot of criticism of them. If this group of players can come together, they've done, as they've done under Rudy Garcia all season, and win this trophy, or even you know just get to the final and really show just how good they are. It's a huge statement, and there's no guarantees they'll beat Leon to third place, even if they try their absolute hardest in Liga to to sacrifice a European semi final for the chance that maybe you get there ahead of them. That would be that would be crazy. They have to go for this. They have to throw everything they can at winning a European trophy. Yeah, I think if you scratch your chin and go third place or Europa League trophy as well as Champions League football and group stage football at that, I think it's a pretty easy what they hope to do. I, 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 another factor of them trying to avoid Atletico is the fact that if they do and they face each other in the final and Marseille finish third, then the Europa League final is a is a bonus if they win it, but if they lose it. They'll still be in the Champions League group stages, so it's uh, not all doom and gloom. At least, anyway, if they get a little bit of luck on uh, tomorrow afternoon, if, if they well tomorrow morning of English time, at least, uh, hopefully they can uh, they can make that a reality. But we focus now on matters in well, domestically, at least, as we head into another league on weekend with only about six to go. It's hotting up at both ends of the table, and we'll start with probably the only real six-pointer this week, and that's between Caen and Toulouse, because Adam, we mentioned Caen last week as they faced Amiens, and, and ironically, Amiens really thumped them, really 3-0. It was a relatively comfortable result in the end that pulled them further away from danger, but really sank Caen back into the mire, really, because, yes, they're only, they are still six points ahead of Troyes, but with Strasbourg only a point behind them, Toulouse in this game having a chance to to pull them closer to them as well. They would be on 33 points if they got a win here. So it's a big game again for them um, to really, with the rumours that Patrice Garand might be leaving in the summer as well with his, with his contract expiring and, and people thinking that he might think this is done. But four losses in a row, they've got winnable games coming up, the next three especially, and this is one way they have to try and get result. Absolutely. It really is. Um, you mentioned those four games um that they lost in a row and you look at their previous those results sort of in more detail okay they lost 1-0 at Lyon not a disgrace by any means but 3-0 Angers 3-1 at home to Montpellier who don't score goals all right they're a good team but losing so they were 3-0 down inside 53 minutes you know they, they got torn apart there and 3-0 at Amiens um I, I spoke to Andres who's you know once of this parish uh, occasionally on the pod as as well that yeah, about Con, and he was saying that they've been woeful recently, and and they could get relegated. And that's an opinion I I um I, I tend to agree with, given given their form, given that they're sort of slipping towards the relegation zone, down to down to fifteenth now, only only five points clear of Toulouse. So if they were to lose this game, that, that's down to two. I know that there's obviously a bottom three of three sides who are pretty pretty woeful themselves, but given their form. Still six games to go, still plenty of points to play for. They could genuinely start stepping towards that relegation zone. And perhaps this Patrice Garon thing is partly partially to blame. I mean, for, given the way that Khan ended last season, and we talked a little bit about it last week on the pod as well, where they were very lucky to stay up um, with a draw at PSG on the final day, who was sort of looking forward to the Coupe de France final at the time. They got a one or draw there. And with the equaliser, I think, right at the end as well. They're very fortunate um, to, to, to stay in a division. Um, that... Given that um, sort of Garand has managed to cajole sort of a continued league and presence out of a team that, all right, has some decent players, but isn't necessarily one that should be thinking, oh, we're a top half league and side. This this feels like perhaps with him leaving, you feel like he has the confidence of the players. If he is going to go at the end of the season, you feel like he has the confidence of the players. And maybe that's kind of just affected their momentum a little bit. And they're sort of thinking that, you know, he's the kind of manager that can get the best out of us. And he's the kind of manager that's proven that he can keep us in, in league. And, and, you know, they're, they're, they haven't got a huge turnover of players at Con. It's been a very sort of sort of linear kind of squad over the last few years. And with with this sort of slight, maybe a very slight kind of upset with the, the Goran's future, it may be enough to sort of unbalance them in what is a very, very closely fought 
you know, relegation battle. And I'm genuinely worried about them. I think they may be saved by the fact that the bottom three are all pretty terrible. But if one of those teams puts some form together, I think Con are the ones that are going to get picked off them the easiest. And losing three games in a row, conceding three in each of those games to three sides that they would have fancied themselves to get points from, really shows where they are at as a, as a squad. Yeah, and especially when you start looking, like I say, that they've got Mets and Twat to come up, so there's there's still a lot of silver linings for them and a lot of chances for them to to uh, pull themselves away from trouble. But given that they've already wasted three chances, you start to worry because May is Monaco, Nietzsche, and Paris Saint-Germain, and that's not a not a, a field you want to be going against if you are stuck within the ranks if teams start picking up results. And one team that definitely needs to pick up a result Sam, it is Toulouse, really, because, again, very similar to some of the other sides around them, they're playing each other at the moment, but no one's taking advantage of it. And again, Toulouse, you think they're playing a Dijon side, the worst team in Liga away from home this season, and they end up losing 1-0. It's not really the ideal result for them, given that they still have a relatively soft fixture list heading up, really. That's the positive for them. But at the same time, it's been a long time since they've got three points and they need to start picking them up and fast. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just clear, very, very clear. Um, Toulouse, uh, they're just stuck in the mire and, and they have been for so long. It feels like we just... It feels like they've just been treading water for such a long time. They just, the identity that they had is disappeared so long ago and, and now they just, they aren't really anything. And that's, that's a real difficult place to be in because if you, if you don't have anything to, to lean on, you don't have a defense to lean on, you don't have an attack to lean on, you don't have some kind of spirit or some kind of identity. That's when you, you slip into trouble. That's when you slip to defeats that you really shouldn't slip to like at home to Dijon. It's fine to lose away from home against Leon. Uh, it's fine to lose to Marseille it's not fine to lose at home to Dijon and that's the kind of results that get you into really frightening situations like the one that Toulouse find themselves in. They're as bad as anyone in the league on form and that's just, that's just not good enough. And it really, they are really in trouble. This is a game that, that they really have to win. And yet I don't have a lot of confidence in them winning. It really seems like the kind of game that will end up being a goalless draw because neither side is really competent enough to do much with the football. And, Toulouse could very much find themselves in trouble because the teams below them, obviously, as we've kind of covered here, aren't good, but could at least win a game. And when you're one point out of the relegation zone, that's the kind of razor-thin margins you're operating on. This is a game Toulouse have to win, but it's not one I think they will win. Yeah, this, it's a funny one, really, because there's a couple of teams spiralling, really. We mentioned on the main pod that, that Twy looked like they might be dead and buried, really, and, and Mets are almost pretty much guaranteed to go down. So it, it saves really one spot for most teams. And in theory, looking at some of the fixture lists going up, it'll be the fact that teams behind them or below them or one of these teams just constantly not giving up on these chances because both sides look at the fixture list. They, Toulouse have got Caen, Angers, Rennes, Lille, Bordeaux and Gangomp to end the season. There's nothing really that outstands there that, that says they can't win any of those games. And the same for Colm. For the next three games, like I mentioned, Toulouse, Metz and Troyes, they're three very winnable games that if they win even one of those, really, looking at the other sides below them and, and the results they've got recently and some of the run-ins they have, that it looks like it should be an automatic one, really. Um, but let's get a score prediction on this one. And I'll start with you, Adam. What do you think it'll be on uh, Saturday afternoon? I think, given that Con have been pretty terrible recently and Toulouse are a terrible away side, I, I think this has got nil-nil written all over it, unfortunately. Sam? Yeah, I mean, Toulouse have had four goalless draws this season and I, I can't see this not being their fifth. I just have a feeling that Con might nick this one one-nil um, and, and just about keep them safe, which they'll be delighted about, obviously. But uh, Toulouse... Uh, Maybe sinking back into the mind, but they do have plenty of winnable games left that will keep their uh, their well, their, their brief hopes at least anyway alive. If if other teams start picking up results and and a side that are really in the mire as well, but do have a softer fixture list as well. Again, compared to some of the other sides around there, it is Lille, um, and they face Bordeaux at the weekend, who are sinking as well themselves in a sense that so they've really um, hit the skids recently. But at the same time, Adam Lille 
haven't won it, and people probably might have forgotten this. They haven't won since the 28th of January when they beat Strasbourg. Uh, since then, it's been losses and draws. They've picked up points here and there, but um, they'll be, be a little bit, bit disappointed. Oh, sorry, they lost to Bordeaux last weekend, who are a team that not informed, and then they're having to face a team that are a little bit better informing, Gangomp at the moment. And looking at the games left, they do have Mets, Toulouse, um, Dijon as well, winnable games, but at the same time, they're in such a rut at the moment with the, the stadium closure that will still be happening in this game. So it'll be one of those strange, eerie, silent games again, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the lack of momentum they really have, although they're not... This is the thing. Looking at them, they're, they're losing and drawing games, but they're by a goal. They're by a little bit of something. They're not getting hammered every week or anything like that. Is there still hope for this team to maybe, if they can pull a result out here, that they maybe can snowball themselves out of danger or do you think that these little chips away especially like at the weekend they obviously were one nil up as well that these are just slowly ebbing away at the the confidence that they have left yeah it's it's really difficult to pinpoint exactly where leo's sort of opportunities uh, to win games their confidence has gone where exactly where that sort of difference is if you like and as we mentioned last week on the pod, the stadium closure is going to be a huge difference between now and the end of the year. But you're absolutely right. They there are sort of certain signs that they're you know they're just sort of losing out. All right, they lost to Bordeaux last week by the odd goal. Amiens again at home to the odd goal. You Monaco two one draw with Montpellier one goal at Nice. It sort of feels like they're kind of on the verge, but. I mean, if I was to if I was to you know point point one one thing that perhaps is a difference between winning those games or getting points from those games and losing them as they have been, is the sort of the turmoil the club is in, and the lack of leadership it has faced this season from pretty much every level. So you, even from boardroom level, you know they started really positively first game of the season when they beat not three 0 with the Lost Unlimited, you know, the, a whole new direction for the club. Marcelo Bielsa is going to lead us to the promised land. It's kind of the idea. And, you know, Luis Campos and Gerard Lopez, you know, there was a lot of sort of hope there. But I'm not sure they've shown the leadership that they promised to. Money has been an issue. They had to sell Depravel. I think Nicola Depravel was actually told they had to sell him for the cash and they were, he wasn't replaced. Um, and the transfer window kind of went pretty poorly from there. Um, Thiago Maia was a big signing, didn't really turn out very well. Hasn't been hasn't been the player they were hoped he would have been. Um, obviously, Bielsa, the situation with Bielsa shows another lack of leadership. All right, it's Bielsa, so you you kind of expect the unexpected with him. But even so, the way he completely ripped up the team over the course of between him and the sporting director over the course of the sort of the eight months preceding the opening of the season with the January transfer window, two where loads of players left and six or seven arrived on deadline day. There's no consistency. And as a result, the team also lacks leadership. You look at players like Thiago Mendes, who's obviously new to Liga in this season, and Kevin Malqui, who's obviously, he's 26 as well, both those players are, but he's only recently really broken through at San Etienne and, and very good last season, obviously, but isn't the type of 26-year-old that you would perhaps expect given that he was sort of seen as a very sort of young and raw talent before having a very good season last year and the team without Vincent and Yama in the side who's still kicking around you know um in the squad if you like but not making the bench they've just got no experience and no leadership and it feels like all right Gauti has come in and he is a man with experience and he is a good leader but has he had enough time to make to, to impose himself on this squad to make his leadership count to give the players the confidence that they need and it really feels like that the combination of the board the manager with Bielsa and the lack of experience in the team is conspiring to see them go down and as you mentioned Pat's Tuar and Mets are gone but Leo aren't far behind and, and it feels like that they could be playing league de football next season and given how they've played this season and the way the season's gone that's not a huge surprise unfortunately so I think I think that they may be on the precipice of Gauti getting the best out of them or better performances out of them, but it's it, they may run out of games and it's still tight down there. But given the way that their form has gone in recent games, those games I mentioned, it's looking really pretty bleak for them. Yeah, I didn't think the promised land would be League 2, but that seems no. like <laughs> where that project's ending up, unfortunately, if, if, yeah. if 
things don't turn around soon. But speaking of turning around, really, Sam, we mentioned a few weeks ago, really, that March was pretty awful for Gangon, really. They lost 3-0 to Angers, 5-2 to Nice, 2-0 to Saint-Étienne in that run. But then they've put back-to-back wins together and really put twat to the sword, really. I know that's not really saying much for, for a team that's not scored in a, well, scored once in about seven games, really. It's not too difficult to put them to the sword. But at the same time, Gangon are showing, again, a little bit of life in the, in the end of the season and showing a little bit of things for the future, especially, really, in the last couple of games, especially, which is lovely to see. The renaissance that has been Clermont Grenier. He scored that fantastic free kick um, against... Uh, against Bordeaux the other the, the week and obviously contributed quite a bit the, the assist to start off the, the scoring at Troyes. It's great to see him back in form and it's great to see Gangomp again um, showing that they do definitely have quality in this team and uh, deservedly a, a league on side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a strange one, Gangon. They, their form this year so far has gone. January, lost every game. February, played quite well. March, lost every game. April, played quite well. So uh, when we get around to May, I think you could know we could probably start betting against Gangon again because uh, that's apparently just how that works. But yeah, Clement Grenier being being back in a team, playing, showing the quality that he did show at Lyon quite some time ago now. The the Roma loan spell was a disaster, didn't work. Uh, not a lot for him to show at Lyon earlier this season. But now, finally, again, showing a little bit of the quality that we know that he does have. Gangon, as I think we said in January when he, when he joined, it's the perfect place for him to be on loan because there's not a huge amount of pressure there for him to... He doesn't have to save them. He doesn't have to drive them towards the European places. All he really had to do was play his game, help them be better, help them win some games, and that's exactly what he's doing. You mentioned the goal, excellent, the assist. It's just all around... He, he's just coming piece by piece back to, to the player that he, that he was, and he's probably never going to be the... He's always going to lack the dynamism that he that he had before, but this this is as you say, it's just a it's a really nice thing to see. Mm, yeah, absolutely, and they they uh, are probably going to start thinking about what they can do uh, next season. Maybe maybe push again to to be a little bit more than a just a, a mid table side. But let's get some predictions, and I'll start with you, Sam, this time. And what do you think the score will be in this one? Uh, I think Gangon will win. I, th- I think it'll be pretty pretty narrow. I'll say two one. Adam. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Lille's lack of experience, um, those, those two players I mentioned, um, Malqui and, and, and Mendes, the oldest players in the squad. I just think this home game with with no crowd and, and no atmosphere will, will will come back to bite them once more and, and it will be, I think, gang on or, or, or win again. That's it. Yeah, it certainly feels like something like I'm going to be a little bit more generous to gang on and, and put a, a 2-0 win on it. I, I do really worry about um, Lille when they're playing at home, but they they should have some focus on those games coming up against Toulouse and Mets as, as games that they absolutely have to win um, if they want to pull themselves out of the mire and at least give them a chance of being in that relegation playoff zone because if they can get there, you feel, um, they always have a chance no matter who it ends up uh, being from uh, League Dern. But on to our next game now, and it's an interesting one for a couple of reasons, really. One for Montpellier, who are going to be still trying to fight for that fifth place finish, which would be a terrific result for them in, in an excellent season that's been uh, really highlighted by uh, the fact that, well, they, if you look at the table at the moment, they have the fifth best goal difference in Liga, and, and thinking about a team that doesn't seem to score many goals, at least anyway, the, it's a commitment to their defence and their, their strategy this season, but Adam, uh, they, they've had a really great season, really. We've always talked about their defensive displays against uh, Mo- Monaco and, and PSG and how they were looking against Marseille at home as well. Um, they got a good draw again at the weekend at the Velodrome as well. They've been fantastic against the big teams this season, but they've they've nicked one nils here and there. They had the nice 3-1 win the other week against Caen as well. They, they, they've managed to... The difference this season compared to other seasons is they've not just competed well when they needed to be a defensive block against big teams under Desikarian, but they've also got results when they needed them against the small teams. And that's exactly why they're are where they are at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there's, there is a couple of caveats though. I mean, I, I 100% agree with the fantastic job Desikarian's done. He's the perfect manager for Montpellier, I think, given that he's a very sort of solid defensive coach, very pragmatic. And, you know, he can, that is probably why he didn't really succeed at Rance when he was there in Ligue 2 last season. I think they finished sixth with sixth or seventh with him in charge. 
that he's not the type of manager you want if you're going to go chasing games, if you're going to be one of the side that's expected to be on top because he does set up his teams in a very sort of pragmatic way. But that's perfect for Montpellier. They're never a team that that has been prolific, even, you know, even in their sort of up periods of their history, they've never been the most free, free flowing side. Um, and and yeah, the fact that Laurent Blanc is their all-time record goal scorer says quite a lot, I think, even though he was an attacking midfielder when he was there in the early part of his career. But even so, 84 goals isn't the most, you know, the most prolific of of, of stints. Um, but just a couple of caveats to, to Montpellier. I, I think that it'd be great to see them back in Europe. That'd be fantastic. If they were to get there and finish in the top six, assuming PSG win the, the Coupe de France, top six would be European places. Um, I, there's a couple of things, though, as I said, that I think that one, they've 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 benefited from the fact that Ligue 1 has been extremely tight this season outside of the top four and Mets. Um, the, the other sort of, what, 15 teams are very evenly matched. All right, Troyes and Lille have dropped away a little bit, but th- there's a lot of competition between those sides. And you look at Rennes in fifth, Montpellier in sixth, of course, with 46 points, Rennes on 47. That's quite a low total for after 32 games with someone that, uh, a fifth in the league of a 20-team league. So... As we mentioned with Nantes uh, recently, when they, in the first half of the, this this year, if you like, when they, at the beginning of this year, when they were fifth, and they only won one of eight or ten games, but they managed to maintain that fifth place because Rennes and Montpellier and Nice didn't put them under enough pressure. And Montpellier have benefited from that because they've been very consistent. They've been very difficult to beat. They've got 16 draws in the league this season. That's, that's four more than anybody else. Um, and six more than the third place amount of draws, if you like, which is 10 with Strasbourg and Sennetian. So they're very, very consistent, very, very difficult to beat. And I have this, I have a feeling about them where they sort of almost play to the level of their opponents. They even the game out with their defensive sort of strategy and the fact that they're very willing to sit back and soak up pressure and hit you on the counter attack. And that really shows by the amount of draws that they've, they've sort of managed against big sides and against the weak teams as well. We mentioned that they drew at Marseille, they've drawn with PSG, they've got points off Monaco, but they've also drawn against the weaker sides too. And if you look at their league and games of late, the six of the last seven are draws. Um, so the fact that there's a current sets his team out like this, is effective of course but i think that it's it's sort of it's kind of complemented by the fact that the league has turned out to be very very close in itself where draws arguably given the fact that everyone's being everybody else kind of mean more than they might i mean 46 points might in other seasons put them a little bit lower down in mid-table we might not be talking about them as much so brilliant season for montpellier jerome rusillon has been absolutely fantastic for them as a standout player i know he's been injured recently but he's come back and been brilliant and huge credit to Zakarin, but there's a little bit of that that, that they've, they've benefited from circumstances as well as good performances. Mm, yeah, almost like an asterisk to it, isn't there? But and mm. it's a Rousselon, he's someone certainly uh, clubs are going to look at in the summer. And when mm. you look at the fact that um, they've 16 draws means they've only had six losses, which is only beaten by the top four. No one else in the league other than those top four have even single digit losses to their name this season, which is a credit. And, and those 26 goals conceded only beaten by Paris Saint-Germain, who have 22 conceded, and that's not too much of a surprise, but a fantastic season for them so far. Um, something to build on, certainly, for next season, even if they do um, finish just outside the Europa League places. But on to um, Bordeaux, um, Sam, who have really, to be honest, lost that um, new manager bounce that they did have when uh, Gus Poyer joined the club. Obviously, they they went on that little run. They won that game against not to begin with, but went on three victories after that. Since then, they, they've only won once, and that was last weekend against uh, Lille, where they really, in theory, at least anyway, stole it from, uh, from the second bottom club at the moment, and it's wasn't the best of looks for them that it, it took that long, and, and to Kamano goals, it was good to see him um, back on the score sheet, and it also needed a whole second half with Lille down to 10 men as well to, to see out the result. But what do you think to Bordeaux at the moment, really? It's, it's a bit of, been a bit of funny second half of the season. Do you think that they will keep on with Gus Poyer and trust him to, uh, to take them into next season? Or do you think maybe they, after this run of results and depending on how the next six games go as well with the, some difficult games against Paris Saint-Germain and Saint-Etienne, but a lot of easy games as well against, or easier at least anyway, in Toulouse and Metz to finish the season. Um, do you think that he he will be judged on these last six games and whether it's worth keeping him on or maybe looking elsewhere in the summer. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to factor into it. If they if they don't don't put a few results together in this last little period of the season, if they drop 
closer to the relegation zone by the end of the season. I mean, they're not going down, obviously. There's just too many teams between them in 12th and the, the danger zones. But if they end up even further down the table behind much, much smaller clubs below them, teams like Angers, uh, Amiens, teams like that, that's going to be a problem for, for Poirier trying to, to construct an argument for staying on. Um, you, you mentioned the sort of new manager bounce. And Bordeaux were a team transformed sort of immediately. There was aggression. There was... Uh, a hunger. It kind of looked as though the players perhaps had been embarrassed a little bit by the fact they got their manager sacked, and perhaps that had been part of the response. I'm sure Poye was involved, but you have to think at least that the players putting in that extra effort does come from their own sort of sense of pride. And whether Poye is the man to get them to do that week in week out, well, it seems as though he's not because that that has dried up, and with that drying up of attitude has been a drying up of results. We may have lost uh, Sam there midway through his, uh, through his like speech. It. Yes, it looks yeah. like <laughs> sounds like he's uh, evaporated into the the ether of the inside. I do apologise about that. I'll, I'll I'll pick it up from there. Really, I we're talking about a, a Bordeaux side that have had a, a really funny season. Really, and one player I wanted to very quickly focus on as well is is Malcolm because he was mm. the hype man of Ligue 1 really to start the season, and he has got nine goals and and six assists. But at the same time, the second half of the season um, has been very, very quiet from the Brazilian. I mean, there's only been two goals, one in January, one at the very start of April against that uh, defeat to, to Gangon. But at the same time, he's he's bit, um, obviously like calling it's Leon was a penalty, but he's certainly... Um, turned down the boosters from what was a really electric start of the season to what has sort of petered out into a, a bit of a disappointing campaign in the end. Yeah, uh, it's bizarre, isn't it, really? Because maybe there's a, there's another factors in play here. First of all, um, I don't know that... Well, well his, his good form did coincide with Gorvanek's tenure, didn't it? Mm. Um, but I know that he wasn't... There was a little con, sort of contingent of players that weren't overly enamoured with Gorvanek and, and he may have been one of those the sort of Brazilian contingent, perhaps. And there was that video of them sort of sort of um, enjoying themselves after after a poor performance that was on 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 Instagram, I think, um, and or Snapchat perhaps. And 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 there was been a few instances like that where perhaps his attitude hasn't been as exemplary as you would hope. Um, perhaps perhaps even a bigger fact is that he knows he's leaving it in the season. Um, I think him and 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 the sort of hierarchy of the club have agreed that you know he the right officer can't comes in, which is very likely to, he'll be off. And Bordeaux aren't going to get relegated. They aren't going to get into Europe. They've got very little to play for. He feels like perhaps that's enough for him to sort of down tools and, and prepare for next season. If that ends up at Arsenal or, I don't know, at Valencia or wherever he ends up, um, that he knows he's leaving Bordeaux, which, again, perhaps goes to a slightly poor attitude. And arguably, although he was very good in the first half of the season, it was kind of a bit of a, um, to quote, so sort of to reference sort of an early 2000s, 90s uh, Premier League player, it was a bit of a Morgan Gamps Pedersen. Like he'd score brilliant goals, but you wouldn't see all that much from him in some performances. Obviously there were performances where he was absolutely brilliant wall to wall, but there are a few games where he'd, like that, maybe the Dijon game where he smashed in that one from 40 yards and that that goal gets replayed on, on YouTube and on Twitter and all over the place. But the rest of the game, he was a bit quiet. And I think the difference between this half of the season and, and before Christmas is that he stopped scoring those screamers and those sort of brilliant goals that kind of pop up and everyone says, oh, what a great player Malcolm is. But when you watch him every week, you realise that perhaps he is, he's a type of player that flits in and out of games. And perhaps that's sort of, he can't score those goals every week or even every, every few games. It kind of comes back to bite him and his, his form as a whole and the perception of Malcolm as a whole has suffered as a result. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's, it's just mm. sort of the stats will still back up the fact that someone would probably still try and get him in the summer. But maybe this is a sign that he maybe needs just one more year. Maybe yeah. even if it's not a Bordeaux, a, a level that's not quite Champions League football yet, maybe he just needs a little bit more maturity here put onto his game. But um, let's get some predictions. And I'll, I'll start on this one. I, I just fancy Montpellier in this one that. They are not the kind of side that Bordeaux want to face at the moment with them uh, not really picking up many results, except from that, obviously, the win last weekend. But it does have somewhat of an asterisk facing a team like Lille at the moment who will take shots from from miles out, really, for most of the game. So um, I'll, I'll go for a 1-0 Montpellier win. Um, what do you think, Adam? Yeah, just to be different, I might go 1-0, but Montpellier marginally the favourites for me. 
And if he's back with us now, we'll try him again. Um, Sam, what do you think the score will be in this one? It's <laughs> it sounds no, like he's still yeah he's still still stuck in there. Sorry about that. So if he if he could hear us at least anyway, we might have to uh, try and rejoin the conversation. But we'll go on to the big game of the weekend on on Sunday night, and it could be the title clincher. Much like Manchester City at uh, last weekend had that opportunity to win the title against Manchester United, I'm pretty certain PSG will love to win against Monaco at home because if they do win, they go 17 points clear of second place with five games to go, making them mathematically champions of Liga. And Adam, that's a big notch for them to have a, a big team for them to face to try and get that milestone. Um, can they do it? Um, yes. I mean, I mean, you'd expect them to, given that this season and every season apart from last season, really, the the whatever PSG play either at home or a neutral venue in the cup final, that the form, any form of the opposing teams is to go out the window and PSG sort of steamroller them. And um, I have a feeling that may happen here again. Monaco aren't the team they were last season and perhaps even at points this season. And as the Coupe de Ligue final showed, in in this sort of game, PSG still have very much have a very strong edge over them. But I think from Paris Saint Germain's point of view, that they'll be th- it's the, the point is more along the lines of what does this season say about PSG? And to be honest, it says very it says very little, which is which is worrying because although last season Monaco were superb and am- ambushed them completely, PSG's form didn't really change that much. Okay, Nice and, and Monaco put them under severe pressure. They drew some silly games away from home, but they actually got more points last season than they did in two of their previous four title wins. Monaco were just so good that they managed to surpass them. And it's kind of continued this year, but Monaco just haven't been as good and haven't been able to put them under as much pressure. And they've almost gone, given that they sold all their players in the summer and the way that Monaco worked, the fact that they're sort of a cyclical kind of thing and Jardim sort of rebuilding for like maybe next season or the season after, if he stays that long. The club does as, as sort of a long-term thing with the signs of Tielemans and players like that and they expect Lamar and Fabinho to go. That they've almost said, okay, we'll, we'll we'll dial it down this season and we're not expecting to win the league this year. We want Champions League football. Second would be fine from our point of view. And and we'll look to make what happened last season happen again, either next season or the season after. That's good on where the club works. So PSG have almost been given a little bit of a, of a free ride this year. And if Monaco had kept the same players and the same team and they played like they had last year, I think they, wouldn't, they would have won the league this year again because PSG, although they've been, you know, results have been very good, if Monaco players they did last year, it's, it's a it's a flat out title race once more, and they've almost won the league by absence of competition rather than the fact they've been the best team. Obviously they have, but it doesn't say much about the project. The Champions League happened in a very very similar way to the last year. They were came against one of the sides that they considered themselves the peers of, and were embarrassed eventually. Completely outplayed. All right, the first leg against Barcelona last year was very good, but it's kind of countered by the the Remontada in the second leg. And and a very similar thing happened at Real Madrid. They were completely outplayed in that second leg, especially, and nothing has progressed for PSG. And that that's the real issue. That when they sign a new manager with Emery, I think you know they they want them to progress every year. And he's had his first season, and all right, there there were some positives, but there were some a lot of negatives too. And they haven't gone anywhere this year. And it felt very similar under Laurent Blanc. They didn't really progress. It's almost like they've reached a plateau in the players that they've signed and the development of the club and the philosophy in particular of the club. That as it is as it stands, and in, in each of those areas, can't take them any further. And all right, they might win the league this year, this this weekend, but what does that really mean? Um, I think from their point of view, it, it's it's a very, very small victory. And for PSG to progress and to be the side that they, they see themselves as, they need a, a huge overhaul in playing staff, in philosophy, in coach, and in the projects as a whole. And they need to stop to sort of the, the pandering to big players, the, the marquee signings and the, the front heavy nature of the squad. And a number of other things, to be honest. There's a whole long list. We could do a whole podcast on what's wrong with PSG. Mm-hmm. But there, there are there are so many aspects that need to change that they're just hitting the head against a bit of a brick wall, I think. And they can't they can't continue to do the same thing and expect different results. And this season is the same as it was last year and the season before. Very little has changed. And they might win the league, as I said, this 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 week, but it's a pretty hollow victory. 
absolutely but maybe it might just take that one stern strong manager to to, to change things and maybe he's, he's even in the opposition dugout on sunday evening but um he made a big decision really um last weekend in in fact sam with it he did um while ronnie lopez really stole the show he he dropped tommy lamar from the start of the lineup and he was fit and available to play but he's had a pretty tough season really there, there's been glimpses with the with the french national team of how good he can be but for monaco this season we started the season by saying that lamar was going to be the key man the one that would uh really try to replace Bernardo Silva as the creative force. He would be the one to sort of rise from the ashes and drive them forward. But in essence, it's been what can only be really described as a, as a very, very disappointing season for him. It has been. I mean, you have to assume that all that summer talk, you know, £100 million move to Arsenal, £100 million move to Liverpool, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening, and then it doesn't happen. He's just about the only one that stays all these stars of that monaco team leave bakiogo goes so many so many of the players that monaco were expecting to build around so many of the players that lamar had sort of come of age playing with all disappeared that's got to be difficult and for a player as young as him as well there's probably some a certain degree of just being jaded not really feeling it as much and there was a degree of that throughout monaco's start to the season but as monaco have sort of coalesced again as a new team how jardim has, has built something new out of the ashes of his his title winning squad lamar's not been part of that he's been very much to the side he's, he's very much absent the the quiet quality I mean, a lot of people who a lot of the sort of um thoughtful watchers of monaco last season would tell you uh, it's more lamar than it even is bernardo silva he's he's the what he's the unsung hero of this team uh there's not a lot to sing about from lamar this season and you have to imagine those bids will come in again this summer. And if they're anywhere near 100 million, I think Monaco will snap their hands off because Lamar has been nothing like the player he he is and can be. And Monaco appear to have pretty much moved on without him already. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if someone even offers 60 million around that sort of mark this summer, uh, I think he's gone because it, the, the lucky thing for, for, for players, teams like Monaco is that when he is in the headlines, it is with that front shirt on and that's, all the other big teams seem to need to see at the moment because he has honestly been pretty awful for Monaco this season. He's probably been nowhere near their, their starting 11 of their best teams. And that's should be shocking because really a lot of people have talked about him possibly in the Unsung hero last season, but this was his chance to show us exactly how good of a footballer he is. And unfortunately he's not really seized upon it, whether that will change when he gets his move that he seems to be wanting. Um, that we shall wait and see but uh, it's a bit of a shame that it sort of fluttered out of expectation when when he did join Monaco many said that it was too early of a move maybe a bit of a rush a strange one for 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 them to join him from Caen but he burst out the blocks for them it's a real disappointment that it, it will add on a on a sad note but let's get some predictions to finish off this one and I'm going to start with you Adam what do you think the score will be uh, unfortunately 3-0 PSG Sam um, I'm expecting Monaco to put up a bit of fight, a bit of pride on the line, that kind of thing, but I think it'll be 4-2 PSG. I'm going to go 2-1 PSG. It feels like uh, this will be the moment where uh, they're finally crowned a uh, champions again, which will appease them, but they've also then got five games of nothing to wait for, the Coupe, well, the Coupe de France games, to try and uh, seal another trophy. But uh, it looks like it will all be wrapped up this weekend in terms of that, who will be our new champions in League uh, uh, that's all for us this evening my thanks to sam adam and all of you listening at home uh, do join us for the main show again on monday and um, enjoy your weekend football that's coming ahead <laughs>